Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning that we have so much to thank you for. We thank you that we can gather together this morning, but in freedom. We can lift our hearts and our voices as we have done in, in praise and adoration for who you are and for what you have done for us. We thank you that we can remind ourselves of the, the wonderful, the glorious good news of Jesus, that happy day that we can think of, remember, when you washed our sins away. We thank you so much for your grace in Christ Jesus. We thank you that, that even, if, even if life is really hard and tough and it's difficult to see you right now, you are still God, you do not change, and there are still things that we can thank you for. Please help us this morning as we think about prayer, as we look at this passage in particular this morning in Corinthians Teach us this morning, Lord, we pray. We pray that we'd be open, encourage our hearts, challenge us, change us, and grow us, Lord, in our faith as we walk with you step by step. Amen. A man around the age of 35 had been on a conference away from home. And while he was there, he realized that he'd, he'd not really told his father that he loved him. So he decided when he got home that he would give his dad a call and do that. So he did, he got home, picked up the phone, and his dad answered. He said, hi, dad, it's me. Oh, hi, son, I'll go get your mother. <laughs> no, 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 don't get mum. It's you I want to talk to. There was a pause. Why? Do you want money? No, Dad, I've just been remembering about you and the things that you've done for me, working all those years to get me through college and supporting me. My life is going pretty well now, and it's because of you. You gave me a good start in life. And I was thinking about it, and I realized I'd never really said thanks. There was silence on the end of the phone. The son continued, I want to tell you thanks and that I love you. Son, have you been drinking? I wonder if you've ever thought about how much of the time you spend in prayer, your conversation with our Heavenly Father, is about giving thanks. How thankful are we in our prayers? As I was studying and writing the sermon this week, I was thinking about my own prayer life and about how little often I give thanks to God. And I'm wondering that if actually my lack of thankfulness is, is also a contributing factor to me generally not praying as much as I would like to. If you think about it, if I'm not thankful for something, for someone, then it's because I've not really recognized that person's effort, that person's contribution to whatever it is. And worse still, I could be guilty of taking the credit myself, thinking that what happened, who I am, is because of me. That man's father in the story had worked hard. He'd spent lots of money, as lots of parents do, in raising their children and trying to give them the best start in life. But if the son was never thankful, what does that say about their relationship? I remember writing my wedding speech and wondering what do I say about my parents. I felt a little guilty because, again, it had been a long time since I'd said thank you or that I loved them. And the wedding speech, of course, is a great opportunity to do that. But, of course, being thankful is not necessarily something that comes easy to a lot of people. But can't that, too, translate to our attitude towards 
God, our relationship with him. The Lord has served us in so many ways, most importantly with his son. He gives, he provides for us, he meets our needs. But sometimes we can forget him. We don't recognize when he's at work. Or worse still, we take the credit for ourselves. We think we are who we are, we have what we have because of us, our effort. When we don't give thanks but congratulate ourselves, then that wonder that drives us away from prayer generally. Because there's no one to thank. It's all about us. And if it's all about us, we don't need to ask for help. But it also means that perhaps in the hard times, when, when things are difficult, because we haven't seen God's work, we haven't seen him recognize he's been providing for us, we are therefore quick to blame him. We're quick to think it's all God's fault when we, when we don't pray. Is it perhaps because we're just not thankful enough in our prayers? Well, as Matt said earlier on, we are starting a mini-series in the summer looking at Paul's prayers. And um, in one sense, it's continuing on themes of prayer we've had over the last 12 months. You may remember last autumn, Dan took us through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew. We did a bit of prayer in the evening services at the same time too. We more recently have had our 24-hour day of prayer. I want to see things like that happen more and more in the church. And so it's our prayer that this morning and on over the summer, that as we think about Paul's prayers, that we'll not just understand more about prayer, we'll not just only see our need for it, but we'll take time to think about the content of prayer. What did Paul pray about? What was his heart? How, did his, how was his heart shown in how he prayed? And can that shape us, our lives, our attitudes in our prayer? How do we pray? How do you pray in the different circumstances that we face? And this morning, we're going to think about thankfulness. One of the things that impresses me most about the Apostle Paul was his, his praying, his prayer life. A man who must have been so busy, who must have had demands from people here, there, and everywhere, and yet seems to always have time to pray. And always said things like this in his prayers, I always give thanks for you when I pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray in all circumstances. When did he get the time to pray? And what is it about his relationship with God that means prayer is of utmost importance to him? Well, hopefully this morning we'll see that Paul is thankful to God. He's thankful and he prays because he knows that actually it's really about God, not about him, not about anybody else. It's all about him and what he has done and what he is doing. And I wonder whether, of all the churches Paul writes to, perhaps the Corinthians need to learn this lesson the most. And I pray this morning that we too will see that as we recognize that God is at work in our lives, that we will be thankful to him. But that thankfulness will then just lead us on to pray more as well. So let's look at this passage together and firstly think that in our prayers, in your prayers, let's be thankful for what God has done. I don't know how well you know the letter to the, the Corinthians or the Corinthian church, but I wonder what are the things that come to mind when you think of the Corinthians. Problem church, maybe. Troubled Christians. Arrogant leaders. Spiritually gifted 
chaotic church services. Maybe there are a few things that come to mind. Corinthians, the Corinthians were infamous for their issues that were going on. And in almost every chapter that Paul writes, there's a new issue that he addresses, a problem that's going on that he seeks to correct. But I wonder, have you ever noticed that Paul begins his prayer, his letter, with a prayer of thanksgiving? And have you noticed that actually he's thanking God for the very things that seem to be causing the problems? And yet, Paul is thankful. Why is he thankful? Well, he's not thankful that there are problems, or maybe not even thankful for the people themselves. Or the letters we hear him say, he gives thanks and praises God for the church's faith, hope, and love. He gives thanks for their partnership in the gospel. He gives thanks for Christians are persevering in their faith. We don't see God, Paul is thankful for specific things they're doing, they've done, but he's thankful for what God has done in the Corinthians. He's thankful for who they are in him. If you count the phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, in just these nine verses, it comes up eight times. Christ is the center of all that Paul wants to say in his prayer. Read with me from verse four. Paul says, I always thank my God because of you for his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. The church was gifted. Those gifts, yes, had led to problems, but it wasn't the gifts that were the problem, it was their attitude, their abuse of the gifts. Paul tells them, reminds them, that the gifts that you have are from God, and therefore he's thankful. God has given them his grace. Yes, he's given them his, his grace in, in salvation, in redemption, in forgiving them their sins, in bringing them into the family of God. Paul describes in those opening three verses about who they are in Christ. If you look at verse 2, he talks about their status. Here are the Corinthians, are a people of God. They're sanctified in Christ Jesus. They're called to be God's holy people. This is who they are because they have called upon the name of Jesus by faith. And this is true for us as well. When we put our trust in Christ, we, as we have seen in the kids' lot and the songs, that we are the people of God. We're in his family, which is wonderful. God's grace given to us in that way. But I think more specifically in the context here, God's grace is shown to them through him giving them gifts, his provision of gifts. And Paul says they've been enriched with gifts, abundance, excellence, enriched with wonderful gifts. They do not lack spiritual gifts, verse 7. That doesn't mean that they have every single gift there is to have, perhaps, but it means that the gift they do have, they excel in. They have them in richly and a high quality. Well, what were the gifts that they have? Paul tells us in verse 5 that they have been enriched with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge. Of course, if you know Corinthians, you'll know that these things come up during the letter and Speech, particularly in chapters 12 to 14, we hear they've got gifts of prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, giving words of knowledge and words of wisdom. 
They are gifted in speaking gifts. Speaking gifts are one of those gifts that are often more public, more visible in the church and audible. And of course, gifts like that can, when not appreciated, when not thanked, can be inappropriately elevated above other gifts. They're gifts that can lead to pride within those who have them and, and envy even within those who don't have them. They were gifted in speech. Then, of course, they were gifted in knowledge, in knowing things. Maybe they were clever people. They were certainly those who had studied, who gained knowledge, who had a particular understanding of the Bible, a particular understanding of how the Bible relates to the culture, and an understanding that in the New Covenant and, and how we live as Christians and how that is appropriate, they have knowledge in these areas. And although Paul addresses that this had caused problems in some ways, the knowledge itself wasn't the problem. It was their abuse of it. But again, God gives thanks. God gives thanks that he's gifted them in these ways because these gifts are good. Paul even says in verse 6 that the, the Corinthians having these gifts is God confirming his testimony. Their gifts is evidence that the gospel Paul preached is true. And God has blessed them with his wonderful grace. So we see that Paul is thankful for what God has done in saving them and in giving them wonderful gifts. But were the Corinthians thankful? Or was Paul maybe subtly trying to say, hey, look, these are the things you need to be thankful for because these are the things that God has done. And maybe, maybe if the Corinthians were more Thankful they recognize God's effort in their, li his, their lives more, that they will be more thankful, and maybe that would cause fewer problems. I don't know. But I wonder about Morden Road Church. There are many gifted people in our church, and we could give thanks for them. People gifted in all sorts of different ways. Being in Oxford, there are people who are gifted in speech and gifted in knowledge to a high, high level, and that's great. And we can give thanks when we get to benefit from those gifts. As people serve and teach and build up the church together, it's a wonderful thing and we should give thanks. But sometimes in the weakness of our own flesh, of course we can forget, can't we? We can forget that our gifts are from God. If we're not thankful, it can lead to boasting, to arrogance, it can lead to us trying to use our gifts for our own glory, for our own praise, rather than for God's glory. It can lead some to look down on others, thinking that one gift is more important than another gift. And of course, these were the things that Paul goes on to address in the life of the Corinthians. But we see that in Paul's opening prayer, he's helpful in reminding us that however gifted we are, in whatever gifts we have, they are from him. He is given them by his grace. And if they're gifts given by his grace, then they're not for us. They're to be used for him, for his purposes, for his glory, for the building up of his church. Remember the drama of grace in Joshua 24 last week, as we learned in the kids lot again this morning, that lesson time and time again needed to be learned by the Israelites that it was God, it was not you, it was God 
who brought you to the land. It was God who defeated your enemies. And so for us too, when we pray, let us ask God to help us develop good habits of being thankful, that we open our eyes to see that what he has done in our lives, the gifts that he's given to us, being thankful, remembering his grace, that we are who we are because of Christ. And we have what we have because of Christ. Maybe this morning you're sitting there thinking, well, Andy, I'm not one of those gifted people. I can't speak. I don't have great knowledge. I wish I did. I wish I was more gifted. And I often don't think there's much to be thankful for in my life. Well, I wonder whether that was the case in Corinth, because not everybody had the, the amazing gifts in inverted commas. But it doesn't mean that people weren't gifted. And it doesn't mean the gifts people had were less important. The Bible doesn't elevate one gift above another. Gifts are different, yes, they have different purposes, often different focus at different times, but they're all important, aren't they? And they're all needed. I think the fact that God hasn't gifted you in speech, if he hasn't, actually a good thing. It's a good thing. It would be terrible if everybody had the gift of speech. Can you imagine a church full of know-it-alls? A church full of people who always wanted to have their say? And of course, if we all have the same gift, then there will be an absence of other gifts which are needed. Sometimes not seen, but just as important. And so whatever gifts we have, we need to recognize them, be thankful for them, that God has given them to us. I know that for me it's silly whenever I am envious of preachers that are better than me, which happens a lot. But I should be thankful that God has gifted them in speech, that God can use them to build up his church, that people can hear the gospel. It's not about me. It's about him and his kingdom. That's the wonderful message of 1 Corinthians 12, is that God, the body of Christ, as he describes it, has given us all gifts, and we're all different, but we're all needed for the body to play its part. And so firstly, we are thankful. We're thankful for what God has done, both in saving us, but in the gifts that he has given to us, and the way that we can use them to serve him. But then secondly, Paul goes on to give thanks for what God continues to do, what he will go on doing until the day that Christ returns. And so we're thankful for God's grace going on in our lives. Of course, it's one thing to be thankful for God's grace in the past, being thankful for what he's done, but then going on in our lives, living in our own strength, thinking that we live in our own efforts, thinking that our own effort is what keeps us in God's good books. And of course, when we do that, then we become ungrateful again. God's grace doesn't only save us, but it keeps us going. As the hymn says, "'Twas grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home." But of course the temptation is that when we live our lives in our own efforts, or more specifically when we trust in our gifts, when we trust in the things, in using the gifts that God has given to us, thinking that it's those things that keep us going, we can have the wrong attitude when it comes to Christ's return, thinking that it's about us, our success, or maybe, maybe even fearing 
It's not about us. I'm not good enough. Will God accept me on the last day? If you look down at verse 7, Paul reminds the Corinthians that there is a day coming. Christ will return. But he says that it's him. Verse 8, he will keep you firm. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've seen that God has gifted the Corinthians, but there are churches that go on to boast in their gifts. The temptation for them is not to be thankful for God's grace, but to be trusting in their gifts thinking that that is what will sustain them and please them on the last day. So you can imagine thoughts, the thinking, that, well, I am a great Christian because of my gifts, or I'm a rubbish Christian because of my poor gifts. But what will it be like when Jesus returns, when he is revealed physically, when he comes, sits on the throne? What will save us from his condemnation? Is it our gifts? Is it impressing him by our success? Well, no. It is his grace. Paul says that he, Jesus, will keep us firm. He will keep us blameless for judgment day. Paul uses that legal language there again. Keeping blameless. Verse 6, he talked about God confirming the testimony, like a judge who acknowledges the testimony of a witness to be true and valid. So, too, in verse 8, it's the law will confirm on the last day that we are blameless. We are without guilt. We are not for condemnation, but we are for salvation. Not because of our gifts, because of the cross, because of the resurrection. It's not our performance that saves us, it's him. Heaven is not a reward for our efforts. Heaven is a home. It's a home for those who have been welcomed into his family. Family is family. God is the good father who is faithful. And we see that in verse 9. God is faithful. He's called us into a relationship with him through Jesus. He will keep us. He will hold on to us. And he will present us blameless. How does that make you feel? Are you thankful? It should make us very thankful. Thankful that we will not be condemned when we should be, but that because of Jesus, we will be welcomed. We are thankful every day for the grace of God in our lives. So there's no place for boasting and of course, there's no place for feeling condemned either. I wonder, as the Corinthians were hearing this letter being read, as they saw the force of Paul's rebuke time and time again as he exposes their sinfulness, did they begin perhaps to feel guilty, overwhelmed by all this sin, realizing that their successful ministry in their own eyes wasn't actually so good? Paul addresses sins of idolatry and sexual immorality, boasting in sexual immorality, people squabbling and arguing together, people who are far from being the holy people that God had called them to be. But even though their sin needed to be dealt with, although their hearts needed to be changed, it's grace, the grace of God, 
that would keep them firm, that would keep them strong to the end. We will experience times in our lives when we will wonder what is it that's keeping us going. Times when we may find it hard to be thankful. If life is going badly, if sin is strong, the last thing we want to do is pray. Hard times put pressure on our relationship with God. When things are going well, that's when we can be ungrateful and we're not prayerful. We lie on our own strength, but when we are weak and when times are tough, because we've been ungrateful in the good times, we forget that God is at work always. And so, as we said before, we are quick to blame, quick to doubt, perhaps, slow to go to the Lord for his help. But of course, it's in those times that we need God's help the most, isn't it? When life is hard and we recognize that he is with us, we realize he never left us, that he's right there. Bible commenter, commentator Matthew Henry wrote this after being robbed. He said, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Paul tells us that hard thing to do, which is to be thankful in all circumstances. He doesn't say to be thankful for all circumstances. But the truth is that as Christians, those who walk with the Lord, that he is at work in our lives, that he is fulfilling his purposes. Then whatever the situation is, he is the one who will keep us. He's forgiving our sins. He's delivering us from trouble. He's helping us through trials and temptations. He's providing for our needs. He is at work. And when there's nothing to be thankful for, there is still Jesus. And we can be thankful. I know this, this is a habit for a number of home groups in the church, and it's been really a real blessing for us too. And that is when we meet each week to not only be sharing prayer requests, but to be sharing answers to prayer that we're able to recognize when God is at work, which means that we're thankful, which means that we pray more because we've seen God at work and that builds our faith. Samwise Gamgee was Frodo Baggins' sidekick in The Lord of the Rings. He walked alongside Frodo as he made his way along that dangerous journey. Samwise was there through the thick and the thin. He was right by himself, side, helping him, protecting him, watching out with him, encouraging him. But remember when things got tough, when the pull of the ring grew strong for Frodo, Frodo forgot all the help that Samwise had given him and told him to go home. Ungrateful for the help he'd received, he went on alone. But we can be thankful that Samwise was faithful. He never gave up. Although his help was unappreciated, he followed Frodo and helped him at the very end to destroy the ring. God is faithful. He will keep us by his grace. Even if we live 
ungrateful for what he has done in our lives. He will not let us down. But I wonder how much stronger, how healthier, how more beautiful would our relationship with God be if we recognized his work in our lives, if we appreciated what he's done and who we are, what he has done in our lives, if we were daily thankful for his grace. How much would we be able to therefore then cope when life is tough? How much would we be able to trust him that he's in control? To testify to his goodness and his provision. You see, the big lesson this morning is that when we recognize God is at work, we are thankful. We should be thankful. And when we're thankful, we grow in faith. And what else do we do? Hopefully it leads us to be more prayerful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our wonderful Heavenly Father. Thank you that you are faithful, that you are gracious. Thank you that, that even when we mess up, even when we are ungrateful and we lack thanks, even when we take the credit for the things that you have done in our lives, thank you that you stay with us. Thank you that it is you who keeps us firm. Thank you that it is you who will bring us to the end. Thank you that when we stand before Jesus on that last day, we will be, we will be blameless because of him. Help us to be thankful. Remind us continually of all the great things that you have done in Christ. May we be thankful for his help step by step. For your glory we pray. Amen.